Yo, yo, welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And the Lakers' hopes of making the play-in tournament, passing the San Antonio Spurs for the number 10 seed, and playing the New Orleans Pelicans in the first play-in game, have taken a major, if not fatal, hit following their loss last night to the Pelicans, 114-111 to at Crypto.com Arena. LeBron James and Anthony Davis made their returns. They were both brilliant. LeBron had 38 points on 13-23 shooting, uh, his fifth straight game with 35 or more, uh, three of eight from three, nine to 12 at the free throw line, eight rebounds, four assists, did have six turnovers though. AD, who had not played in over six weeks, had missed 18 games, uh, 23 points, 12 rebounds, six assists, eight of 17 from the floor. And both guys gave you about what you could realistically expect, if, if not even more. And I mean, we, we just saw what Paul George did after missing 30 something games, coming back, scoring 34 points, helping the Clippers win. And LeBron was brilliant. I mean, 38, uh, I, I thought really set the tone, had, um, you know, 34 heading into the fourth quarter, had a 21, uh, my, I'm sorry, had 36 heading into the uh, fourth quarter, had 21 points in the third and really just, you know, single-handedly kind of took over the game during that stretch. Uh, AD, I, I thought, looked pretty good, all things considered, uh, coming off his injury. I, th- I thought he looked much better than he did in that Brooklyn game, for example, uh, the first time around when he came back, played heavy minutes. He played 37, LeBron played 40. Those guys combined for 61 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, two steals. Uh, realistically, again, as much as you could expect. But the Lakers did not get much else from the rest of the supporting cast. Whereas on the other side, Brandon Ingram had 29. CJ McCollum had 32. Jonas Valanciunas had 17 and 12, uh, including seven points in the final five minutes. He was kind of the guy who swung the game late. And the Lakers, despite being up by five points with 5.07 remaining, ended up getting outscored 15 to seven by the Pelicans the rest of the way. And that final five minutes, I wrote about it. It will be up on The Athletic by the time you listen to this. That to me was a microcosm of all of the Lakers' problems this season. You know, one, they were way too reliant on LeBron and AD to create everything offensively Uh, two Russell Westbrook was a non-factor if not a minus three Frank Vogel and the coaching staff could not figure out the proper pieces to put around LeBron and AD and even Russ if you want to kind of include him as as one of those closing locks even though I personally don't think he should have been Uh, four too many turnovers too many missed free throws too many defensive mistakes those have been problems that have plagued the Lakers all season And five, really just poor late game execution. And how many times have we seen the Lakers lose a close game because of one or two possessions going against them and just some self-inflicted head-scratching mistakes on their part? So I felt that, you know, uh, in in rewatching that final five-minute stretch multiple times, the Lakers had some really bad turnovers. LeBron had that forced lob to... AD, which got stolen. Malik Monk had the ill-advised lob to Russ, which probably was a foul, but in a close game, 
playoff type in a- atmosphere, you're not always going to get that call. Russ doesn't get the call, uh, and, and you know misses that that alley oop, and Russ gets blocked at the rim. Um, AD misses a couple of shots, misses a floater, misses a jumper, and the Lakers' offense really just bogged down. It really just became LeBron AD pick and roll, which can be effective, was effective for a lot of the night. But I, I also felt that I, I was a little. I, I've probably been more on the pro Frank side for much of the season. I, I've defended him a lot. I, I felt that he's been unfairly criticized. I think first and foremost, the roster construction is the biggest issue with the Lakers, e- even more so than the injuries. I, I, I think, you know, I- injuries are something that's largely out of your control. And, you know, yes, that that is an unfortunate factor, but I think, you, we've seen, you know, the, the Lakers aren't the only team to deal with injuries now. Maybe injuries on the scale that they've had them with LeBron, with AD, sure. And, and you know, with Kendrick Nunn, their uh, fifth highest paid player being out the whole season. Like the Lakers, I'm, they're in, you know, the upper echelon of teams that have been affected the most by injuries this season for sure. But at the same time, I think if they had a better constructed roster with both better players and better fitting players, they would have been able to withstand, I think, some of these injuries a bit better and probably would have a few more wins on the season. And, you know, I, I think either comfortably be in the ninth spot or even be pushing the Clippers for, for eighth, just with making a few roster tweaks, um, you know, adding in an Alex Caruso, uh, maybe signing a couple different players like that to me with how many close games this team has lost and how many little mistakes have added up throughout those close games and even throughout crunch time specifically, I think this team could easily have a few more wins with just a few better players in the rotation and not necessarily even more expensive uh, players, right? Because of course, Alex would, would have been a, a luxury tax expense and um, you know, w- would have been a, a higher paid player, but even just some of the veteran guys, you know, not someone else instead of Trevor Ariza, someone else instead of Kent Bazemore, someone else instead of Wayne Ellington, like upgrading those spots with minimum guys that were more productive. I think that cumulatively would have improved the Lakers roster or it would have improved the roster. And and thus I think they would have won a few more games, but that's neither here nor there at at this point. But to to get back to Frank, I I was surprised by a lot of his rotation decisions in this game, Uh, starting Dwight Howard, going with the two big lineup again, uh, you know, I, I know the Pelicans start big. They start with Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes, but we've seen really since late November that the Lakers are at their best with these one big lineups, whether it's AD as the lone big or, or even going centerless with LeBron, um, you know, the, the Dwight and, and or, you know, kind of Dwight LeBron, but like the, the Dwight AD, DeAndre AD lineups have not been great. AD is at his best at the five. LeBron is at his best at the four of the five. And slotting those guys down, I think really has a a negative effect on the spacing. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And the Lakers started Dwight, AD, LeBron, Avery Bradley, who's been out of the rotation for weeks and hadn't played the night before in Utah, where after the game, Frank Vogel cited Avery's defense against CJ McCollum, who... (laughs) quite frankly, was probably the second best player in the game behind LeBron and torched Avery with 32 points, most of which came against directly against Avery. Uh, But he he said Avery's defense, but like the night before in Utah, they played Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and a Utah team that plays small guards that can score. And Avery did not play in that game. And perhaps Frank was saving him for the New Orleans game. He knew that uh, LeBron and AD were going to be back and, and that they were going to need Avery's defense against CJ McCollum, but that did not work. And once again, I've been saying this all season. I think Avery's overrated defensively, underrated offensively. He had 10 points, hit a three late to to cut it to one, uh, had, had a couple threes. And I think, you know, again, offensively, He's not, you know, he's an above average three point shooter. He's, he's almost shooting 39% for the season. Uh, defenses largely leave him alone. So there is a negative effect gravity wise. Uh, but, you know, he, he can be an okay cutter at times. And I think overall, like he's better offensively than he's given credit for. But defensively, he is not as good as his reputation. And that was the case a few years ago, but he has declined since then. And remember, this was a guy who was cut from the Warriors in training camp. Uh, if the Lakers had not signed him, might not have been in the league. And he's starting and playing 34 minutes and all of crunch time. It was him, LeBron and AD were the only three Lakers to play the final 507, which was the time I deemed as is basically crunch time within five minutes, five minutes left. Uh, he LeBron, he, he it was LeBron, AD, and Avery Bradley playing, and Avery w- was, uh, you know, look, CJ McCollum didn't his only points during that stretch were, were technically free throws, but uh, he, he did get a couple good shots. And with Avery, you know, the one on one defense is, I mean, that that's his strength, right? Like that that is his best defensive skill. But uh, there were times he helped off CJ McCollum leading to, you know, one pass away help. McCollum gets a three. Uh, there are times he didn't rotate, times he didn't box out. And he's just, there, there's also just a matter of his size where he's he's even smaller than Russ. You know, he's 6'1", uh, you know, maybe 6'2". Uh, and just the Lakers going with, with such a small group. So they, they close with LeBron, AD, Avery, Russ, and a mix of Stanley Johnson and Malik Monk. And... If you go back and watch the Lakers offensive possessions on the stretch, there were just so many times in which the Pelicans just had five dudes in the paint. And it was like, you know, LeBron, AD pick and roll. Lakers trying to get AD to, to go downhill, attack Valanchunas, uh, you know, get to the rim, get to the free throw line uh, or, or LeBron get downhill. And they couldn't because there was five Pelicans in the paint. And, and that's been the thing all season is if you play the Lakers, pack the paint, and ignore the shooters, and they're not going to make you pay. And for the night, uh, the Lakers actually shot 40.7% on threes, made 11 of 27. 
uh, actually outshot the Pelicans, who it, it did not feel that way from watching the game. But the Pelicans were 7-26, to only 26.9%. So the Lakers actually had a decent three-point shooting night, but would probably like to see a higher volume of threes in, in that case. But regardless, I think you just saw that no one's guarding Stanley Johnson at the three-point line. No one's guarding Russell Westbrook at the three-point line. And frankly, no one's even guarding... I mean, I already said Avery Bradley, but even Malik Monk, they were cheating off of. And it was kind of like, hey, if Malik Monk's going to beat us, he's going to beat us. And um, Malik had a decent game, 13 points, seven assists, had some costly turnovers in the fourth. But I just think the Lakers never figured out. And part of this was just because LeBron and AD have been out so much. And and LeBron, AD, and Russ have only played 21 games together. They're 11 and 10 in those 21 games. But They've never figured out the right two players to put around those three. Uh, but for me, it was not Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley. I, I think that was a mistake. Uh, I haven't even mentioned it yet. Austin Reeves and Taylor Horton Tucker did not play at all. Frank outright benched them. This is also a game in which Carmelo Anthony was out. Uh, he had a non-COVID illness, so they, they certainly missed his shooting and, and that spot in the rotation. I do wonder how the rotation would have shook out um, in terms of, you know, when Gabriel played four minutes, Stanley Johnson played 22, DJ Augustine played 16, you know, maybe those minutes go to mellow and the Lakers just go a little bit bigger. Uh, maybe, maybe Avery plays fewer minutes or Dwight plays fewer minutes. Like, I, I don't know how the rotation shakes out. I do assume Mello would have been in that like 18 to 20 minute range uh, tonight, you know, depending on how he shot the ball and, and defended. But I think to me, benching Austin was the biggest mistake of the game. And I know he he didn't have a good game against the Pelicans last week. He hasn't been shooting the ball well, but to me, just his defense overall. And even if you're not going to put him as a primary guy on CJ McCollum or Brandon Ingram, I do think he had value in, you know, guarding a Trey Murphy, the third or a Jose Alvarado, or a, you know, Devontae Graham. Like, I, I just think there's other guys, you know, Najee Marshall, like, there's other guys he could have, Herbert Jones, like, there's other guys he could have matched up with. And I, I think just his value as a help defender, as a guy who's going to dive on the ground for loose balls, to, to box out and compete for rebounds, to switch on to bigger guys and, and, and you know, try to battle with them, like, the Lakers didn't have that tonight. And, you know, Stanley did. Uh, Stanley obviously does uh, a lot of those things. And, and that's why I think it was good that he played. But Avery doesn't do that. Uh, Russ, I, I think, actually had some decent defensive moments against Brandon Ingram, but he was still too small to defend uh, Brandon Ingram. And, and I didn't really love that overall. I thought Dwight was largely a, a minus. And, and you saw that Dwight was, Lakers were minus six in Dwight's 22 minutes. They were minus 12 in Russ's 31 minutes, which was the worst uh, plus minus of, of anybody. And there were minus three in Avery Bradley's 34 minutes. And it was just like the Lakers play. Like I was shocked Russ closed the game. Uh, Frank took him out, I think, at the six minute mark and brought him back in uh, right before the five minute mark. And, you know, t- t- took him out for about a minute there. And I thought when he took him out, might have even been the seven minute mark. I, I don't remember exactly, but. He takes him out. Russ kind of shakes his head. Uh, I was monitoring this. Russ shakes his head, goes to the bench, 
and you could tell he's he's upset kind of is like i'm getting benched again like this is you know because he, he looks at the clock and it did seem like russ was was going to get benched again and i was like this is a great call because russ started the game one for eight uh does end the game five for 15 so some quick math there does go four for five uh or sorry four for seven Not great math uh does go four for seven the rest of the way so so does you know he hits a couple threes uh to, to stretch the lead to six and like the lakers seem to be sort of in control and he's helping them kind of build their lead but he also airballs a three and, and uh as aforementioned in crunch time has a a drive against Jonas Valanciunas that gets blocked has that alley-oop which he doesn't convert and I think again just off the ball not moving not cutting not screening really just standing there and having his man play 10 to 15 off of him cheating into the paint and really just clogging up driving lanes so I thought it was a mistake to close with Russ and I think it was a mistake to close with Avery Bradley I think based on what we know about this team they should have closed with 80 LeBron Stanley Malik and Austin that is their best five-man lineup on paper in my opinion of just what we've seen all season uh, if they wanted a little more size, they could have put some Wenyan in there, I guess. Um, but, you know, and, and maybe that's a matchup that Melo can close in depending on on the night. But I thought it was a mistake. Uh, you know, DJ Augustine did hit a three, but, you know, one for four in 16 minutes. I, I just I, I didn't get the DJ Augustine over Austin and, and Talon as well. Uh, so there's 50 minutes there for Avery and DJ Augustine that should have gone to Taylor and Austin. And again, I know Avery hit some shots, but he's not out there for that. Anything he provides offensively is gravy. He's out there for his defense. And, and I did not think he had a good defensive game. So um, this was a long-winded way of saying like, I have defended Frank a lot, uh, but t- tonight I-, I think it was indefensible. Uh, and again, I, th- I think Mello being out kind of messed with the rotation a little bit. You get AD and LeBron back, you lose Melo. Uh, so, so that kind of changes the front court dynamic a lot. AD and LeBron play, you know, end up playing 77 minutes. But I, I just think that Dwight, Russ, and, and Avery should have all played fewer minutes. In Avery's case, probably just shouldn't have played at all. And you should have seen those minutes go more to Austin, Talon, Stanley, and Wenyan. Stanley played, again, 22. Wenyan only played four. I would have liked to see those guys play a little bit more. Uh, Malik at 34, that's fine. He was tied for third more, uh, third most minutes with Avery Bradley, which is just an absurd sentence. Avery Bradley played even more than Russ, which like it was a lot of Avery Bradley. It was too much Avery Bradley, and uh, you know th- th- that is where I personally have a again. I've, tr- I've tried to defend Frank. I-, I think he's been in a in a tough spot with the roster and the injuries and uh, just really grasping for you know even player performance i think is fluctuated game to game so he, he's really grasped at what lineups can i go to what rotation can i go to but the lakers have been at their best all season playing smaller playing faster we know this and yet you know in, the, in their biggest game of the season frank went back to two big lineups relying on dwight relying on avery playing russ in crunch time like this was not the time to do those things. And so that that is one area in which I will say uh, I do put some of this blame on Frank Vogel for sure. 
Uh, I also think LeBron and AD just look tired, right? Like the, these guys in AD's case had not played in six weeks. In LeBron's case, had missed four of the last five games. And they're coming back playing basically playoff minutes. LeBron, I mean, LeBron's been playing a lot in general. So I guess this was kind of par for the course with, with him. But AD coming back playing 37 minutes, like those guys just look gassed down the, the stretch of the game. But, that, but that's also where I look at involve me, uh, you know, Malik and involve if Talon's playing like, you know, he, he can go downhill. Like that's where some of those guys, and, and I do think, you know, in, in Frank's defense, Austin and Talon didn't play great in, in those, uh, you know, that new Orleans game. I forgot if Talon even played off the top of my head. I, I could be, I'll check this quickly. I know Austin didn't play great. Uh, Talon, Talon did play. Yeah. He, he didn't have a great game uh, in, in that, the new Orleans game uh, in new Orleans. So, I understand Frank going away from them to an extent, but nothing Avery has shown in recent weeks warranted this start. He has rightly been out of the rotation, and I, I know it's it's kind of correlated with the team doing worse, but that's because AD has been out. And uh, I just think that that was a big rotational mistake. And, you know, aside from that, you, you got to tip your cap to the Pelicans. I thought they played a really good game. CJ and Brandon Ingram destroyed the Lakers in pick and rolls and isolations. They hit a bunch of tough mid-range shots. Uh, they got to the free throw line. They made their free throws. Jonas Valanciunas made a big three in crunch time. Uh, also drew a foul on on AD, and I, I thought hung with AD for the most part. You know, he had 17 and 12, six assists. AD had 23 and 12, six assists. Like that was a close to even matchup, which for the Pelicans is a win, and. I mean, he was there. He was their third best player, and he was better than whoever the Lakers' third best player was. I, I guess Malik in this case with thirteen, five, and seven. Uh, but Lakers missed some free throws. AD missed a couple free throws down the stretch. They shot twenty-two of 71 percent. Pelicans are twenty-five of twenty-nine for eighty-six point two percent. Lakers had too many turnovers, fifteen, which isn't that high, but they had six in the first quarter. Uh, really prevented them from distancing themselves. This was a super close game. The Pelicans are up by five at the end of the first. The two teams are tied uh, at the end uh, halftime. Lakers were up one going in the fourth, and then the Pelicans on by three. This was like as close as it gets, trading baskets all night. Lakers finally got some distance in the fourth, but uh, again, weren't able to get stops and weren't able to uh, properly generate high percentage shots down the stretch of this game. So what this means moving forward is... The Lakers are now 31 and 46. Pelicans are 34 and 43. So the Lakers are three wins behind them uh, and three losses behind them. They're not catching the Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans swept the season series 3 0. So the Pelicans are basically locked into ninth now. Uh, they could technically drop behind the Spurs, but that, that seems unlikely at this point. So really, it's the Lakers versus Spurs for the 10th seed. Now, the Spurs are 32 and 45. So they have one more win and one fewer loss. Lakers are one full game back. But because the Spurs have the tiebreaker due to having a better conference record, the Lakers have to outperform the Spurs by two games over the final five games of the season. And that is incredibly unlikely. Uh, so essentially, if the Spurs go one and four, the Lakers have to go three and two. If the Spurs go... Zero and five, the Lakers have to go two and three, et cetera, et cetera. 
the Spurs are going to win one more game. Their next game is against the Portland Trailblazers, who are tanking uh, one of the most blatant tank jobs uh, of the decade. Uh, after that, they they do have a tough schedule. They play Denver, Minnesota, Golden State, Dallas. They could go zero and four in those, you know, four games. I think realistically, probably one in three, but could go on four. In which case, like one in four is still in play for the Spurs. But now you're asking the Lakers to go three and two against this schedule of home Denver at Phoenix at Golden State, home OKC at Denver. Now, I think the OKC game should be a lock in terms of them winning. But it will, although OKC's already beat them twice. So, I mean, that's not even a lock. Uh, but like Denver is now playing to avoid the plan. Denver could drop to the plan depending on how the rest of their games go. They're, they're staving off Minnesota to avoid the plan, which, you know, they dropped to the plan. They're potentially now playing the Clippers who are starting to catch fire and could be getting Kawhi Leonard back. So all of a sudden you might drop all the way to eighth and have to play Phoenix in the first round. So Denver has something to play for. And it's a 1230 game on Sunday. So, you know, we, we know the Lakers don't love those early morning games. Uh, like D- Denver's playing for something. Phoenix, I think, is playing to stick it to the Lakers after Anthony Davis's comments. And we know there's been somewhat of, of a little bit of a rivalry there. Uh, but, but also, I, I think if I'm the Suns, if I can eliminate the Lakers and basically knock them out of the playing mix, like, why not? I would rather play the Pelicans or the Spurs as an eighth seed than the Lakers with LeBron and AD. Like it's still for as much as Lakers have struggled, you still just don't want to see LeBron and AD in a playoff series. So if I'm Phoenix, I'm trying to eliminate the Lakers. Golden State is now still in that mix for the three seed and and, and trying to, uh, you know, there's a big difference between three and four because four, you're now on the Phoenix side of the bracket three you're on the Memphis side and I think everyone would rather play Memphis than Phoenix. So Golden State's gonna have, you know, no Steph. So that is a game I think the Lakers could steal potentially, but Golden State is playing for something. OKC again, Lakers should win that, although they've already lost twice to them. And then at Denver to close the season. At this point, you know, at that point we'll we'll see where Denver's at and and sort of, you know, is their seed locked up or are they still playing for something? And maybe that's a game they rest their guys if they have nothing to play for. But realistically like it's going to be tough and the Lakers should beat OKC but aside from that there are no gimmies uh with Denver twice Phoenix and Golden State and you're looking at like a best case scenario of one and three there I I would be shocked at two and two but even you know so they would have to basically go two and two in that stretch aside from the OKC game to pass San Antonio so it's still possible but if San Antonio wins twice now you're talking about Lakers having to win four games and San Antonio could potentially benefit from one of the aforementioned teams, you know, resting. Maybe their seed gets, you know, one of the final couple of games, their seed gets uh, locked up and, and you know, they, they rest against San Antonio. So I think it, it is looking very slim and, and grim for the Lakers playing odds. Uh, there's a good chance that, you know, if they lose to Denver and Phoenix and they're going into that Golden State game 31 and 48, like their, their season's pretty much over at that point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, th- this was a microcosm, like LeBron said it, I-, I think best when it rains, it pours with our season. Uh, and you know, that's just how it felt like the Lakers had, 
Uh, LeBron had a drive. I think he arguably got fouled on. You could have said Russ's alley-oop was a foul. And the Lakers just didn't execute well. And, and, you know, there was a a couple stretches there where neither team scored. And the Lakers had an opportunity to close the lead, build their lead, and they weren't able to. And, you know, this is all you could ask for was having LeBron and AD back and, and playing a close game at home with your season on the line and Lakers had that opportunity and they lost and they've lost so many of those games this season to what I would say is a, is a lesser team, right? Like new Orleans without Zion, um, you know, they're obviously better than the Lakers. They went three and zero against them this season, but, and have a better record, but you know, on paper you would say LeBron and AD like that is a, a better team and the Lakers lost again. So this is again, a microcosm of the season. This is that, you know, uh, I encourage you to read my piece on The Athletic. I thought those five minutes really encapsulated everything that's gone wrong for the Lakers all year. But we shall see. There are still five games left. Uh, I'll be back next week to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, you could follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe leave us a rating and a review and be sure to subscribe to the athletic. If you do not do so go to theathletic.com, download the app, be sure to read our Lakers coverage, my work and the rest of our great NBA work and all our other sports content. So thank you guys again for listening. I'll be back next week and we will, we'll see how the next few games go. We've been saying that seemingly all season has not played out in the Lakers favor. I think the season's over, but Hey, there's still five games left. So, Let's see how it plays out.